You are listening to the Blockchain Dialogues podcast. All views expressed on this show are for educational purposes only and not meant to be taken as financial advice. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Blockchain Dialogues podcast with your hosts Krishna and Nikhil. In this podcast series, we analyze the various cutting-edge technologies and projects in the field of blockchains, distributed ledger technologies and cryptocurrencies. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the advertising industry and how blockchain technology can find solutions to existing problems in this space. Advertising as an industry faces many challenges today, such as advertising fraud caused by fake web traffic, to offering value to the end customer at the same time respecting their privacy. So we're going to be discussing some of the most prominent areas in the online advertising ecosystem where blockchain technology is looking to disrupt existing models. So Nikhil, can you start off with an introduction into what the advertising industry looks like from the top view and what are some of the key use cases where blockchain technology can add value? Sure. Okay. okay. So if you look at the advertising industry from, you know, a generally very high level, mile high level, if you look at it, it's basically a three-sided marketplace, right? So one side of the three-sided marketplace is the, uh, the advertiser or the ad agency. And uh, usually they're not the uh, same people, right? So you have the person who basically wants to create the ad and uh, usually they contract an ad agency to create the ad. And basically these uh, these guys are also sometimes known as uh, producers, right? So they create they create the ad, actual ad uh, or they are also used, called uh, media buyers because they buy the media through which they want the ad to be projected. Then the other player in this is obviously the user, the consumer, like the uh, the target against whom the ad is uh, sent, the target audience for the ad. That's one side, and the third side essentially is the medium, right? So in the case of the real world, you have you know the billboard companies, or uh, the film companies, or the TV channels. Uh, and obviously, in the digital world, you have social media, uh, you have uh, YouTube, you have all the places and websites, obviously, where uh, people go to and see the ads, right? So they are they are known as the uh, they are also uh, they are called the uh, the media houses or the distribution channels or the in many cases they are also known as the content creators, right? So the content creators being the people who create the content that uh, the user wants to consume and uh, therefore become the medium through which the ad is delivered to the user. Uh, So it's a three-sided marketplace, correct? So now in the current scenario, this three-sided marketplace is quite complicated. There's usually some kind of ad exchange where the content creators are matched with the content producers and there's a separate analytics industry where analytics on uh, the value or the reach of a content creator is evaluated as well as the value and the reach of the effectiveness of an ad is evaluated and uh, all of these are kind of like all these separate pieces so uh, there's somebody who's uh, yet another industry around just maintain creating and maintaining an ad inventory which is literally just uh, making sure that you have enough ad agencies and advertisers uh, to fill all the slots available for ads from content creators and vice versa, right? So 
there's there's the traditional ad advertising industry where that matchup is basically based on relationships, uh, pre-existing relationships, and you have a business deal and all of that. And then there is the algorithmic or the programmatic way in which that is happening, which are usually in the form of automated algorithmic auctions. Uh, very famously, uh, the Google auction is a Dutch auction that happens in order to match uh, dynamically at the point of a query what would be the most relevant ads and uh, uh, who's willing to pay for these slots. And then there are other uh, ways also. The most recent one is called uh, the header auction, which we can discuss. We will discuss as uh, part of one of the uh, offerings of one of the projects that we are looking at. But anyway, this is generally the case. So what are the areas where blockchains can add value? So uh, if you consider a simplified digital advertising value chain, you have the advertiser, ad agency, the demand side provider, the ad exchange, the supply side provider, and the publisher. So to bring it back to that three-sided marketplace, the advertiser and ad agency and the demand side provider basically form the the production or the media house, uh, the media buyers, the supply side provider and the publisher from the uh, content creation for the publishing side of the house. And then you have the ad exchange that mediates the uh, interaction between the two, right? And uh, in this particular thing, the, the user does not come into it at all. But then there's uh, that's where it starts, right? In the sense that since the user is not directly involved, there is very less transparency around, you know, how much value that the user has gained. Has Have they actually gone and clicked on a link? Have they uh, engaged with the ad, etc., uh, etc., et right? So because the user is not involved, there's not that much transparency in it. It's pretty much a automated uh, thing. You have a lot of uh, statistical models and uh, usually it's a law of large numbers right so it's essentially advertising is based on the cost per click or the cost per mill the all of these are large values of you know the number of times a click ad was clicked or the number of times an ad was viewed and uh, the idea essentially is that if there are enough clicks and if there are enough views a certain percentage of those will get converted that would basically be the basis on which the publisher or the supply side provider gets paid. But it's very difficult to determine exactly how much every anybody would be get paid because there are so many providers, uh, there are so many people in this. Each one of them have their own database. Uh, They're not uh, connected to each other uh, in any way. And uh, there's no standard per se, right? Slowly, all of these things are changing. And uh, this is essentially at a high level one strong area where a blockchain basically helps target the greater transparency that a blockchain can bring to the table is valuable right so greater transaction transparency in advertising it uh, helps eliminate the waste uh, better identifies which intermediaries are taking a cut of the advertiser's budget which people are uh, getting targeted and how much they actually were influenced by the ad now, uh, another place where blockchains can uh, really help is in the area of fraud. Advertising fraud is big business. 
uh, and there is fake inventory, bad data. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. Uh, fraud and advertising is essentially a multi-billion dollar industry. If I could just quickly add a yeah. statistic to that. <laughs> so, yeah, since sure. you're mentioning about the ad fraud. So, I, I just read somewhere that the, the total amount of money that's spent uh, on advertising globally in a year is about, you know, 200 to $250 billion. And about 75% of this goes to the middlemen. And uh, out of that, I mean, and apart from that, uh, about 16 to $20 billion of it is actually lost to ad fraud. So you know that that's sort of the scale that we're looking no, at. No, absolutely, and it's only it's only accelerating, right? Uh, and uh, your uh, digital media plane supply path is becoming even more convoluted now that you know you have new new ways of uh, advertising, like you know, a mobile advertising and uh, you know, uh, advertising within apps and all of that. Uh, it becomes even more convoluted, and there's even greater opportunities for fraud. And uh, fraud is expected to rise to become almost $44 billion by 2022, right? Right. And so, there's another interesting statistic that I also read specifically about ad fraud was that, uh, you know, about 56% of all the traffic on the web is actually bots. You know, so, so whatever advertising dollars that companies spend for human eyeballs or human clicks, it's actually being lost on bots, you know, with, without the companies uh, coming to know. So, so I guess there are uh, some sort of, you know, uh, ad fraud mitigation mechanisms in place. But, but I mean, this is the scale of the problem that we're dealing with. Absolutely. Right. Uh, then uh, the other piece of it uh, also is, if you look at it, a fundamental challenge, right, in the sense that advertising as of today is perceived as something that is uh, imposed on a user right so as a end user or a consumer uh, on the internet uh, you don't particularly uh, want to get targeted by an ad it doesn't provide much value to you uh, and usually it is considered to be a nuisance or something to avoid and uh, some and and you actively try to go around the advertising uh, model the most charitable way of looking at people or the way people look at it is it's something to be tolerated because that is the only way that companies can uh, make money to provide products uh, on the internet for free right so this actually leads to a lot of uh, weird and uh, incorrect models where you know pe- incentives are uh, misaligned and uh, because of this misaligned incentives uh, uh, you know you have things like companies targeting the user uh, violating their data privacy uh, treating their data as a product and uh, just generally trying to understand get a more intimate view of what the user wants or does just simply so that they can target better and better ads against them right so if you look at it, uh, that particular perverse incentive that the company has to target ads at you is a large part uh, the driver for all the privacy violations and the kind of uh, obsession with gathering more and more data about you, about users, right? And uh, another way of looking at that particular model is to basically turn it on its head and say, hey, okay, is there a way, a more direct way in which we could incentivize uh, users to look at advertising. So uh, the idea that, okay, 
we can create a consumer-centric advertising ecosystem where the consumer also becomes part of the value chain, right, of that supply chain. And they get a financial uh, incentive to watch the ad. So that is another area uh, where a lot of the blockchain projects have kind of taken uh, an interesting approach and uh, try to uh, leverage some of the decentralized uh, capabilities of blockchain to kind of see if this is if this user-centric model is possible. Great. So I, th- I think that's a really good summary of uh, uh, basic overview of what the advertising ecosystem looks like. And like you very correctly described, it's it's a three-sided marketplace. And a lot of the blockchain-based projects are actually looking to remove the middleman and sort of connect the publisher and the advertiser and, you know, make it sort of two-sided. So, I mean, a lot of the different projects that we're going to talk about today, they, they, they focus on the problem with that being the primary approach, trying to remove the middleman. So, the first project that we'll just jump into is called the BAT token or the basic attention token. So the BAT token is basically a decentralized digital advertising platform that is built on the Ethereum blockchain. And uh, as you can probably guess from its name, BAT believes in something called basic attention, which is nothing but the uh, attention you pay to an advertiser anytime you view or consume their advertisement. So BAT is a platform where you have consumers on the one side and advertisers on the other. And advertisers basically have to pay the consumer for their attention. And for this purpose, they use the basic attention token. So Nikhil, can you just explain how the BAT token ecosystem works? And I know that they have a relationship with the Brave uh, browser and how that whole thing fits together. Right. So Brave was founded in May 2015 by Brendan Ike. Uh, He founded it along with another guy called Brian Bondi, who is also one of the major contributors of the Mozilla Firefox. And uh, they launched the Brave browser in 2016. And uh, the idea of the Brave browser essentially was to basically bring users into the fold. So the idea is, the premise is that digital advertising is broken. There is a lot of cross-party data sharing and uh, middlemen in the uh, digital advertising value chain. And... uh, this basically have led to users losing their privacy, paying high charges to download ads, and uh, the ads itself basically becoming an overhead on the browsing experience, right? So the pages sometimes become slow because uh, they are trying to download all the ads. And uh, to address these issues, they basically uh, introduce the browser as a platform as uh, as almost like an advertising platform so in in the brave browser they have they keep the browser users browsing data private and any third party trackers are blocked automatically so the first thing they did was they blocked everything and the brave uh, browser was basically projected to the users as a privacy uh, enhancing browser where you could basically browse the internet without exposing any of your data and without getting tracked by you know facebook and google and all of the big guys that uh, uh, normally do the tracking and so the tracking cookie and all of that would be blocked so if that's the premise how do how does one actually participate in the advertising so what brave has done essentially is that they introduced the uh, basic attention token so 
originally if you look at how the brave browser worked initially supported bitcoin but uh, there were some concerns over the scalability of the uh, of bitcoin so they kind of pivoted and created the uh, basic attention token and uh, launched it in 2017 one interesting thing about bat essentially was that ICO basically raised 35 million in just 30 seconds and uh, the company basically is now using the bat token as uh, it has uh, it has about uh, 1.5 billion total tokens uh, did a pre mine and uh, sold out 1 billion tokens as part of the ICO and uh, the remaining 500 million is for the user growth and the development team and all of that in november 9 2019 the brave 1.0 browser was launched and the brave 1.0 browser basically offers brave rewards to fund uh, open web and brave ads to compensate users and brave shields to block ads and trackers so how that actually works is that the brave browser essentially is also a digital wallet and uh, in this digital wallet you can buy bad tokens and uh, since it's part of the browser the browser itself is basically using a machine learning algorithm internally in the browser uh, to understand your viewing habits and it starts sending you ads now this happens only if you opt in to the brave rewards and basically what happens there is essentially you see ads uh, that come up as overlays on top of the browser so it's actually not part of the page or the website you're looking at it's a separate ad that you can see it comes up as a pop-up on top and uh, the understanding of the idea is that uh, you click on the ad and in the browser basically again since it's uh, internal to the browser the machine learning interface looks at what you clicked on how long you clicked on it and what kind of ad it was and then kind of determines basically the uh, uh, amount of money you get so you start earning uh, bad tokens based on the advertisements and uh, attention that you have been spending on sites and uh, looking at ads now in turn uh, with the bad ad tokens that you have bought uh, or you have you have earned you can actually then reward the creators so instead of a direct model where the advertiser basically goes to the publisher uh, or the content creator and uh, creates a relationship with them here in this case there are there, it's a it's a slightly more convoluted uh, relationship in and it works in two ways one way is that brave becomes the ad exchange where uh, it will basically determine what ads are shown to the users who are watching which, uh, which content and uh, then a larger percentage of that ad revenue that has been targeted for that particular ad is given to the content creator and the other one is the tipping where the user can basically tip anybody or any particular website or any particular uh, content creator on a monthly basis of some uh, for some amount so in a nutshell this is the overview of uh, how the bat token and the brave ecosystem works now i would be amiss to if i did not kind of uh, go into a little bit about how this affects the existing ad ecosystem per se so 
one challenge about this particular thing is that if you look at my description of how the bad token and the brave browser works you find that there's a lot of emphasis on the uh, user right so it's user privacy and you know how the user gets pulled in to become part of the story and uh, uh, they get financial in- incentives in the form of bad tokens and uh, they can tip uh, the creators but uh, Another perspective that you can bring into it is that as a creator or a producer of content, an existing creator or producer of content, uh, your content on the on the Brave browser is essentially stripped of ads. So if you are currently, you know, existing on whatever ad network that you're using right now, the browser is basically going and blocking all of that. That's kind of one aspect to it. So which is obviously not very good for you as per your existing ad revenue and uh, the second aspect of it is that you have to sign up with brave and the brave foundation in order to uh, get whatever remuneration that uh, brave is offering you and this has become a major problem or a major point bone of contention with a lot of uh, of the smaller independent uh, content creators to be fair, uh, uh, Brave has gone. There seems to have been a lot of Brave uh, browser publishers signing up. So you have, uh, I have some stats out here. Uh, there are about uh, 301,000 YouTube publishers, uh, 48,000 website publishers, 59,000 Twitter publishers. There are uh, people from GitHub, Reddit, Vimeo, uh, etc. Right. In total, they've got over about 533,000 Brave publisher as of uh, this recording and obviously growing fast. Now, uh, and some of these publishers are big time names like The Guardian newspaper and Wikipedia and uh, top websites in the world. But at the same time, you have the challenge that, okay, there's actually a small piece of... uh, Legal legally said the Brave uh, Foundation have put in, which says that says that okay, if your uh, rewards, the Brave rewards or the Brave tokens that you have accumulated, is not claimed, or if you've not signed up over a ninety day period has passed, it will automatically roll back into uh, the user growth pool. So essentially you lose all those bad tokens and they get redistributed back to incentivizing the users again. This has become a major problem because obviously a lot of creators are saying that, you know, that's not fair. And uh, they have a point in that, okay, they already have existing ad relationships which are actively being blocked by uh, the Brave Browser and it's kind of like uh, uh, kind of denying them their their freedom to choose who they want to partner with for ads. Uh, so that's that's one perspective that I just wanted to put over there uh, as a negative perspective to the whole thing. But uh, overall, if you look at it, you know, from a larger picture, it's a very interesting uh, platform because it's the first time that the user gets involved. So uh, since the user is involved, and they are aware of what is happening. The quality of the ad uh, view is very good because obviously I'm intentionally going and looking at the ads because I know I'm going to get paid for it. 
and uh, so that's that's a whole a whole lot better uh, and b basically uh, it allows a user to kind of uh, have some choice around the quality of the content that they support right so you I, as a user if i find that okay there is a particular youtube channel or whether there is a particular uh, github uh, creator uh, i want to support i can do so uh, explicitly and uh, the third third aspect uh, of the whole thing is that since all the determination of how much how many ads that i select i i looked at how valuable was that particular uh, uh, experience etc all those analytics is basically done via the machine learning algorithm in the browser itself my user information is not going to an external party it's all handled inside the browser and all that is going is the uh, financial enumeration based on that particular calculation so it's a very decentralized model and i basically get to maintain my privacy so overall i think it's a very uh, interesting uh, project and uh, one of the things i'm which is impressive about the project is because of the credentials of the project and quality of the team uh, it's one of the few blockchain projects that have you know they have actually got a browser it's working it works well it's uh, used by i think uh, over 10 to 15 million people have have started to use it so they have a, a, i mean a reasonably st- strong amount of uh, audience so uh, overall as a team i'm sure they will find ways to progress and uh, become successful that's a really uh, well put uh, and detailed uh, insight into the bat token ecosystem and its pros and cons and uh, like you mentioned you know it's one of the early projects and one of the first ones to come up with this user centric model you know where uh, you know you give the user a lot more power than what they've had uh, traditionally uh, and so like after that you know there have been many platforms that are that are trying to uh, replicate the same thing as uh, the bat token uh, and uh, one such platform that that i just wanted to uh, move on and talk about is uh, called adbank and adbank also like the bat token project is built on the ethereum blockchain uh, it has its own erc20 token which goes by adb and like bat adbank also looks to eliminate the middleman between the advertiser and the publisher so how it works is that the existing ad platforms can utilize adbank's openly available api to use their ad fraud tools Uh, so as i was previously mentioning ad fraud is a huge problem in the industry and you know you have a very good chunk of the uh, web traffic that the ads are being subjected to it's it's actually uh, bot based traffic and it's it's not real humans on the other end so in this case the the adbank api provides certain core services to ad platforms that want to use its ecosystem also uh, it allows ad networks and other third parties to build applications using its ecosystem So uh, the key value here is that AdBanks has a AI based fraud detection system that looks for certain common traits that resemble fraud like activity and flags them. So uh, the ecosystem basically is is it's like a four layered ecosystem. Nikhil can can you touch upon that a little bit? Uh, I know you've mentioned some of the keywords about in you know, the ad exchange and different components but uh, can you can you just go a little bit into how uh, a model like this works with with a four layered structure? right so the four layer out here essentially would refers to the uh, actual a- advertiser or the uh, uh, ad agency the demand side inventory uh, the supply side inventory and uh, the publisher or the content creator right 
So I think what uh, AdBank is trying to do is, is creating, it's, it's trying to bring the user into the into the flow as well. So uh, it has this um, browser extension that uh, it has developed called Blade, using which users can uh, view AdBank inventory. So the AdBank's, uh, you know, AdBank approved or AdBank partnership uh, advertising. And uh, the extension basically automatically blocks non-ad bank powered ads. Basically, shows the users only ad bank powered ads. And uh, the incentive for the user to do this is that it basically pays uh, its tokens. So, ad bank also has a token called the ad bank ADB token. The ADB token is basically the uh, mechanism it uses to incentivize the end users to watch their ads. If you look at it, this is a slightly different uh, take on the model that we looked at earlier. It's very similar uh, in the sense that it brings users into it and it's trying to disintermediate ad inventory and the ad exchange uh, model. And uh, participant roles remain the same. You have advertisers, you have publishers and you have end users. The only thing that they're kind of uh, getting in between is that they're removing the uh, inventory part. So this browser extension will send a uh, notification of recently added and matched uh, websites uh, to the end user as an incentive. So if you are kind of like uh, browsing the internet, uh, the Blade browser extension will give you kind of a list that you can go through where basically you know they are ad, they're going to show ad bank approved uh, advertising so that you can get you know rewarded with ADB tokens. The AdBank network basically uses uh, is, is built on Ethereum. Uh, it uses the Ethereum ecosystem and it uses a, a contract to perform, you know, a bulk transaction to make rewards available uh, for the for claiming and notifications uh, are generated, right? So how it basically, how the reward claim works essentially is that uh, once the end user, so the end user earns rewards using the Blade browser extension. Uh, when they reach a particular threshold, the network transfers these rewards from its wallet to the uh, this smart contract, which is known as the AdBank reward claim contract. And uh, then uh, the end user can provide their wallet address and uh, the rewards are transferred into their wallet. Uh, it's not as seamless, at least uh, as the Brave browser, uh, the Brave browser, but uh, it's still pretty good, right? So this is basically uh, how how it works with their uh, extension. Uh, but in addition to the extension on the on the on the supply side and the demand side uh, for the content creators as well as the advertisers, AdBank basically provides software development kits and APIs so that they can actually hook into the ad bank network and uh, provide their advertisements uh, as well as make their content available for advertising so uh, ad bank has a it has its own um, uh, security and auditing engine it has got an analytics portal it's a complete kind of uh, advertising platform and uh, it basically is available for existing advertising networks as well as publishing uh, content creation networks to hook in so it's not just that okay 
you have to as an end user or as an individual con- content creator create a relationship with ad bank existing players can also kind of leverage ad bank as part of their supply chain uh, which is basically quite a pragmatic way of doing it because then it kind of extends uh, is slowly kind of uh, become part of the existing advertising ecosystem as well as this new model that you are building great so from a project like adbank which has an api which allows you to you know better detect ad fraud and better manage those aspects let's move on to another project which focuses more on the user data itself which is collected by different companies and uh, it it claims to empower the user uh, and gives the user more flexibility as to you know how that data actually can be used by different companies so this project it's called data wallet so data wallet as the name suggests uh, it's meant to be a wallet for your data data wallet is one of the early projects in the blockchain space uh, they started off back in 2014 and were one of the companies to be backed by the uh, billionaire investor tim draper so how data wallet works is that it offers itself as a gdpr compliance service to businesses which in turn use the data wallet to store and categorize all the information about their customers and this data is then made available to the end customers by the companies so you as the end customer would know all the information that the company has collected about you everything from your locations your posts your ip addresses all of that information gets stored into the data wallet and the key thing to note here is that if you as the end customer wanted to remove some of this data you would have the ability to do so so that the businesses that are accessing your data through data wallet will no longer have access to your data i guess broadly speaking the philosophy here is that if the customers feel more in control of their data the chances of them uh, actually opting in to share their data uh, that increases as to how you can get paid for your data uh, as an end customer Uh, I believe Data Wallet gives you the option to be paid in multiple ways, such as uh, PayPal credits or Amazon gift cards, Bitcoin, or multiple other ways. So, um, obviously, the the key goal of Data Wallet here is that end users have more control and flexibility over what they want to do with their data, whether keep it or delete it, sell it, whatever they want to do. And from a couple of interviews of the company CEO, uh, then that I saw. It seems one of the future plans is to build some sort of a middle layer between the customers and the companies called a trusted execution environment so as a customer rather than choose what data you want to share with which company you would just put your data in this trusted execution environment and the companies would just pick it up directly from there cool so uh, if i could interject a little bit over there uh, sure. so two things about data wallet i would basically look at this it's 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 kind of like a tangential thing onto pure advertising because uh, uh data wallet directly deals with user data right and uh, this is only part of the advertising uh, industry in the sense that it helps with the targeting of the ad so uh, this is uh, all about uh, how you can actually leverage or manage the data that is being uh, gathered by companies about you so from a company perspective uh this is more uh used for marketing and you know targeting uh consumers or customers rather than pure advertising of advertisements to you right to sending an ad to you 
So that's one aspect. And the second aspect about trusted executor ex- execution ex- uh, environment. It's an interesting approach because this is kind of very similar to the idea that the Brave browser brought in, in the sense that the idea is essentially that over time, the user data doesn't actually leave your computer. It's still with you. And it's in this particular, you know, encrypted, trusted format uh, that is not accessible to anybody who you do not allow access to, right? So essentially, from the perspective of uh, the user, I am not actually giving up any data unless I choose to. And uh, the company basically has to provide some kind of incentive, either financial or not to get access to my data and that also would be an limited access that is controlled by me as to you know how much and for how long the data needs to be available very good points uh, like like you very correctly pointed out you know this uh, compared to some of the other projects that we just discussed before this uh, it's it's really meant for a larger application and not really laser focused on the advertising space with the whole uh, GDPR compliance, you know, all of those rules and regulations that are in place for companies as to how they uh, store and how they share user data. The target customer base of a company like Data Wallet would be the larger companies that, that handle user data in any way, shape or form. So again, like you very correctly mentioned, it's it's not directly focused just on advertising. So from that, you know, let, let's move on to another project uh, that we want to talk about today, which is uh, also built on the Ethereum blockchain. It's called Adex. Adex is another platform that looks to connect the publishers with the advertisers, removing the middlemen. So, Nikhil, can you explain how Adex works and how it's possibly different from what we have discussed so far? So, Adex is basically a slightly different uh, take in the sense that it's more of a traditional uh, advertising product and it does not purport to address the user centricity problem, uh, etc. Adex is very straightforward. It is trying to be an open source, transparent, uh, and fraud-proof display advertising solution. What is display advertising? Basically, it is uh, essentially all the banner ads, the video ads, uh, any kind of ads which uh, involve displaying information to you, right? So uh, that's basically what a display advertising uh, uh, means. And uh, Adex essentially is uh, is a blockchain-based solution that addresses or looks at trying to address the uh, uh, problem of uh, fraud and uh, uh, the problem of, uh, uh, you know, making sure that uh, the data that is being reported on uh, on the uh, uptake of the ad. So how many people have actually looked at it, how many people have clicked on it, all of those statistics are valid, right? So the RX platform is built on the Ethereum blockchain and it purports to provide real-time reporting for both the publisher as well as the uh, advertiser. And uh, it's very interesting in the sense that it does not store any end-user data and it is simply providing you with the impressions that have been made. So an impression essentially is a view or a click of the display ad. So a view of the display ad is uh, considered an impression and uh, one of the statistics that's commonly used is uh, cost per mill, which is uh, the uh, the idea that, okay, 
uh, every so many thousand views, the content creator gets uh, some money from the advertiser. So every view has a particular value. So how does ADEX do this? ADEX is a technical solution a little bit. So it has two pieces. One is is, is something called uh, Outpace protocol and the other is header bidding. So both address different uh, aspects of it. So let's talk about the Outpace protocol. So out, the Outpace protocol is a payment channel. Uh, it's based on the Ocean protocol. And uh, if you want to understand what a payment channel is, uh, you can think of it as a way for you for blockchains to basically increase the speed at which payments can be made. So the idea here essentially is that you would have a certain amount of money locked up by the participants in this payment channel. And this money basically the balance basically would be adjusted off chain in real time by the participants in the channel. So uh, essentially uh, the idea is that okay if I have a hundred dollars as an advertiser uh, and I have set up a hundred dollars as my uh, budget for this particular advertising campaign I would create a payment channel with whichever producer or content creator is going to display my ad and the idea the innovative idea here essentially is that every impression by a user of the ad would result in a, a micro payment so it, instead of the impressions being gathered up together or consolidated and batched and then the and then a payment happening each impression in this case uh, would trigger a micropayment uh, by the uh, by the advertiser to the producer, uh, publisher until you know obviously the budget uh, is expended now one of the interesting things about the outpace protocol is that it is a unidirectional protocol in the sense that unlike other payment channels it's not bidirectional it is always from the advertiser to the publisher and the other interesting innovation about the Outpay channel is that it is a one-to-many kind of a payment channel. There will be one advertising campaign, but it can be spread out to many publishers. And in real time, the balances of all the publishers would be updated based on the number of impressions each one makes. And it's very simple. The campaign runs as long as there is a budget and the publishers get paid and, and they can basically get out uh, or settle their payment uh, at any point and uh, basically choose to wait until the budget is over or uh, get out at any time with uh, whatever they have earned so far. So how does this actually help with fraud? Uh, it helps with fraud because a the in, a, in order for this payment to happen, Outpace also has this idea of a validator. So as these payments are, uh, uh, for each payment to happen, as these impressions are happening, the impressions essentially are validated by a validator. And usually there are multiple validators and it requires two thirds of the validators in that particular channel to agree that this is a valid impression in order for that impression to trigger a payment. So ideally in the minimum case, there will be one validator from the publisher side and one validator from the advertiser side and uh, two-thirds of minimum both of them would have to agree at minimum that uh, this is a valid impression and it would trigger a payment uh, and how does that actually happen it happens because adex basically protocol 
from the perspective of the uh, actual impression happening, uh, it is like a regular uh, ad injection into a web page. So AdX basically has relationship with publishers and publishing platforms like uh, Streamio uh, and uh, others, where basically code is integrated into the platform so that uh, at the point at which the end user consumes that video or the ad, the content, the ad and the ad is going to be injected, the code basically triggers an impression and uh, that impression is sent to this payment channel via an oracle. One interesting thing is, okay, how do publishers know about advertisers and vice versa, right? The idea here essentially is that the publishers basically going and creating a relationship. There's something known as a header auction. And a header auction is an interesting idea in the sense that it is an auction that happens at the point of the ad being loaded in the end user's browser, right? So it's not a auction that happens beforehand or it does not, it's not an auction that happens in the centralized server. It's literally in the browser at the point in which the ad is being loaded. Uh, what happens is that all the advertisers who want to actually utilize that particular content or target that particular audience there they can bid and their bids basically uh, appearing in real time altogether and the publisher can basically choose at that point uh, algorithmically choose at that point which is the top bid and the top bid is basically displayed so this is slightly different from existing models because there is a lot of transparency because the advertiser knows that okay you end user is loading the page so the chances of the impression happening are very high right so it's not a pre-built uh, with with little understanding uh, decision as to whether they should bid for a ad slot or not it's actually happening at the point when the ad slot is being loaded and the other thing about it is that it's it's since it's a real time thing all the pub all the advertisers are bidding simultaneously the publisher gets a better deal because they can then choose uh, which is the optimal advertisement that he wants to display so these are the two things the protocol is designed to be completely invisible to the end users but improving their internet browsing experience by encouraging quality ads and yeah so that's that's basically the genesis so one thing i like about the adx network um, they've been around since 2017 and it was originally in a decentralized ad exchange and then it's kind of started going up and uh, becoming part of the stack for the publisher as well they're very focused on what they want to do they're trying to be an ad exchange there the, the problem is very clear they're trying to reduce the fraud that happens and the increase the transparency that happens between publishers and advertisers and they're doing it in a way since they're actually using uh, they're actually doing the payment based on an impression uh, they're not actually revealing any user information or user private the user privacy is maintained great so i think that sort of uh, covers all the various uh, use cases and blockchain based projects in the advertising space that we wanted to talk about today uh, Nikhil, before we wrap up, uh, do you have any quick final thoughts on the path forward for the industry and the blockchain adoption? So it's actually a pretty bleak situation for advertising in general uh, because uh, we are in a, a global pandemic and uh, people are not buying things and 
definitely, uh, you know, businesses are closing down and uh, they're looking at a survival. So advertising is definitely top, uh, one of the uh, things that are getting uh, badly affected by the pandemic. Uh, so obviously there is a big question around the survival of advertising companies through this particular pandemic. But uh, assuming that they did go through, I think uh, there are some very good ideas out here. And blockchains basically have a place uh, in disrupting the traditional advertising supply chain with its convolutions, uh, uh, complications, and, uh, you know, the huge amount of fraud that happens. Uh, One very interesting thing that I found is that, uh, you know, other than maybe uh, Brave and uh, AdBank, most of the products seem to be focused on the fraud aspect. I think it's interesting to bring uh, users into the equation. But obviously, that has its own problems as well, uh, both in terms of what it means in terms of uh, the uh, distribution of revenue between creators, publishers, and users. Uh, up till now, it was a uh, in a financial exchange only with two parties. Now, when another party comes in, how does that economics change? And uh, the other thing also is that now, that's another group of people. Uh, if you bring the users in, there's also inevitably going to be fraud and fraudulent behavior in that set of users as well. So uh, one of the reasons I had earlier mentioned, you know, one of the things that the creators in the Brave ecosystem or the Bat ecosystem uh, had problems with was the fact that, okay, after 90 days, uh, you know, any uh, rewards that were accrued to them uh, would be re-released back into the pool Uh, And, uh, you know, they could potentially lose their uh, incentives. I think part of that is because the bad team or the brave team basically wanted to cut down on people trying to game the system and have fraudulent instances of, you know, virtual machines or bots running brave browsers and trying to kind of reward themselves with tokens. So obviously that's there's that particular uh, aspect to it as well. But overall, I think that's a healthy direction to go to. There's always going to be some kind of perverse incentive if all the players in a marketplace are uh, not incentivized the same way. So I think that's a good direction. Uh, but I, and I'm and I'm excited to see uh, where that takes us. It's a great place to uh, bring blockchains into, and I think uh, there's a lot of potential. But obviously. We have to weather the storm first. All right, folks, that concludes our podcast. We hope that you found this episode on blockchain in advertising useful. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Also, you can learn more about us on bcdialogues.com. Thanks again for joining. See you next time.